is Tim Oldfield. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, my couple of compadres here. I've got Julian Slaney over to my right. How are you, Jules? Good, good. Good to be here. Good to be back. Excellent. Second episode. Excited. And um, in the uh, in the phone booth over there, all the way from Darwin, uh, we have via link up here, Al Oldfield. How are you, Brosif? Good, good. I'm excited about episode number two. You talk. Give me two. <laughs> and... Um, Unfortunately, today, uh, young Bradley Gavin has come down with something, so he's he's somewhere in the circuits of time at the moment. So he can't he can't uh, join us today, unfortunately. But um, we're all thinking of you, Brad. We are. We are all thinking of him. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, thank you again for joining us for for episode two. As you can remember, episode one was about Point Break. Today, um, we will be discussing uh, the 1987 classic uh, Inner Space, which um, Al Oldfield um, did. Uh, mention uh, would be a good one to do this time so um al do you want to just uh give us a bit of a rundown on the film and um and start us off sure timmy so uh in a space 1987 uh joe dante directed joe dante's done some amazing work in the 80s a lot of films that we all love gremlins small yeah. soldiers gremlins 2 oh yeah uh, he did. What else did he do? Uh, the Burbs. Oh, <laughs> That's funny. I was just Party putting my foul. phone on silent. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. Um, Staying in there. He did the Burbs. He did the Twilight. Oh, he did one episode of the the '80s version of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> did a heap of good stuff, right? Um, and one of them was Inner Space. So we had uh, uh, who's in it? Dennis Quaid, Meg Ryan. In fact, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan actually met on this film and subsequently got married later. Oh, how romantic. Uh, isn't that nice? Isn't it lovely? Martin Short, <laughs> super comedic actor. It's got a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, it's. I was reading some stuff about it and Joe Dante, it's, it's a very similar theme to uh, a film called The Fantastic Voyage, which a lot of... You you guys might know from a lot of uh, rip-offs. If you've seen uh, Journey to a Punk Planet, the, <laughs> that episode of The Mighty Boosh. Yeah, yes. Uh, there's an episode of The Simpsons as well, spoofed on Fantastic Voyage, where where they they shrink a pod and it goes inside a man. And they actually do so that Joe in Don- Futurama as well. In the same episode in of Futurama, Futurama, they exactly shrink Futurama. him down, the ship down, and it flies around. Yeah, so that's all based off um, Fantastic Voyage, which was a, a much, much earlier film. Joe Dante was very aware of that and didn't want to make a remake, so this was a lot more, uh, uh, I guess, reality-based in in its appearance mm-hmm. of the inside of the body and things, uh, and it's a lot more of an action comedy romp, yeah, if yeah. you like. A romp, yeah. I like the way this movie starts uh, with, like, the first title you see is Steven Spielberg Presents, right? Mm-hmm. Now, 1987, Spielberg is, like, shitting gold, right? <laughs> yeah. He's got, you know, he's already got all Jaws and all that behind him, but he's, you know, he's just he's just done, well, a while, a couple of years ago now, but he's done E.T., he's done Close Encounters. He's a couple of Indiana Joneses in, you know, like... Anything this guy's touching is fantastic, and I got you know I've seen this movie a lot, but I saw that credit and I'm like, oh, 80s Spielberg, <laughs> this is gonna be awesome. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and then I, f- I feel like you get so you get introduced to our main character Tuck Pendleton straight yeah. away. Can we can we just can we can we talk about just before we get introduced to Tuck because <clears throat> I think that whole opening credit sequence through the ice cubes of the glass is really brilliantly done. And I, I I was doing, in terms of researching this film, I was, I was kind of, uh, I stumbled across a site, I don't know whether or not you guys know about it, but it's called um, The Art of the Title. Have you heard about that website oh, before? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great site. So it's it's www.artofthetitle.com for anyone that wants to, to check it out. But one of the movies that they did look at was In Space. And I've, there's a little blurb here I'd really like to read. And I think it just kind of encapsulates the just the brilliance of how it's done and, and all that sort of thing. Would you mind if I read that out? Go for it. So it starts off with, contained almost entirely within the structure of a single ice cube, the title sequence for uh, Joe Dante's underrated sci-fi comedy, Inner, Sp- Inner Space, takes viewers on a fantastic mole- molecular voyage from the bottom of a scotch glass to the hands of a swaggering hotshot. <laughs> Foreshadowing the film to come, a simple change in scale transforms the ordinary into the alien. Frozen water becomes a shimmering crystalline maze of glacial hydrogen and oxygen, while the chatter of a cocktail party is depleted to become little more than obtruse reverberations. An in- infinitesimal world reconstructed with every clink of tumbler. As Wayne Fitzgerald and David Oliver Fields' material titles, so they're the two guys that, that did the opening sequence, contrast against the um, uh, coruscating background, the longest drink pour in movie concludes, introducing us to future Micronaut Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton. I was thinking that's such a beautiful way of putting together. Beautiful. Isn't it? Particularly for like this 80s comedy. Yeah. It is. Uh, but I mean, the good thing about it is it, it gives us a good picture of pretty much about most of the themes in the film. I mean, it, it gives us a picture of a kind of an alien, unknown space. It gives us a picture of miniaturization in terms of being small, well, being in amongst something that isn't terribly big, but seeing something up close that, you know, you, the, the perspective that you wouldn't normally get. And it also gives us a look into Tuck Pelton's horrible drinking problem, uh, which is which is like the basis of his whole character and how we know him from the start. You know, yeah. so I I I loved how they they introduced Tuck so quickly, and you got such a picture straight away. He's like super confident, but you can tell he's he's pretty bummed and pretty broken. Oh yeah. That he hasn't been able to, you know, do some of the great things that other blokes have, and and you know, and that results in in I guess or manifests in his drinking mm. problem. Yes, because this is um, something I was going to question. Is because like he seems like such a train wreck. Like this guy. Like yeah, I mean, you see him. He's shit faced drunk at this amazing thing, and I'm kind of like you know, he's obviously talking about the planes that these other pilots get to uh, fly, and he doesn't get to fly them. But, like, his whole life seems like a complete train wreck. And I'm like, is his whole life a complete train wreck because he didn't get to fly these planes? Is that, I mean, did his, was his life going great? And then they're like, oh, sorry, we've chosen some other guys. And he just totally destroyed his life with booze and, you know, womanizing and whatever. Like, it was, I, I, I didn't really like the way he was introduced, to be honest. I thought it was just too, too abrupt. I was like, I liked its fast pace, but I'm, you know, this story, uh, sorry, this movie has such a little amount of backstory for anyone. And this goes for Martin Short's character as well. 
there's like this guy is suffering. Uh, what's his name? Uh, is it Mark? Mark? Jack. Mark? Jack. Jack. That's the one. Sorry. Uh, Jack, Jack is. Mark. I don't know where I got. Well, maybe did you want? <laughs> <laughs> so Jack is like this guy. He is suffering from some serious problems with zero backstory at all. You know, like it's kind of like I get it. It might be the story of how he gained his confidence back or whatever, but like. There's a lot of questions that can be raised with this film, and I don't know. I guess that's just the '80s films. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't like know. I, I don't think. I don't really think we need a whole lot with Jack, though, in terms of backstory. I mean, he's this. He's a. Um, he's a checkout job. He's a checkout guy. So he doesn't have a. He doesn't have an amazing job, most yeah. likely because he can't really hold down anything more than that, given the fact that he's so neurotic and he's he's not yeah. really. The poor guy is just so panicky and just having a really hard time. That I don't know. Like I don't. I don't really think that we need a whole lot in terms of his backstory. I think the the idea is that you've got the two complete opposites in in character in terms oh, of. That's you got, a good point. You got yeah, like yeah. this real kind of alpha male guy, really confident. Obviously, he has a drinking problem, but he, <laughs> you know he's really confident and he's um, he's sure of himself. He's you know sure with women and all that sort of stuff and. But then you got this other guy, so it's it's, it's basically the polar opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's that's a really good point, actually. I like that. I like that. I guess now, I was a little too narrow minded. Now tell me if if I wasn't the only one that saw a little bit of Han Solo going on. Well, yeah, you know, he's got he's got this like you know swagger, and he's kind of a dick. Yeah. But you're still like, yeah, tuck. You know, like he's, he's still a, he's, he's a lovable dick. <laughs> oh, yeah. I well, struggle to know, love him, to be honest. I, he's a scoundrel. He's, he's very a scoundrel. much a scoundrel. It, you know, he's, he was, I found him, I found him very Han Solo. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just he had that, that swagger and that scoundrel about him that, that really worked. And the, thing, the other thing with that first thing is, like, I, it's really the only first time I've I've really noticed it, but he gets kicked out of the kitchen because he's trying to piss in there. Is that right? Like he's, <laughs> yeah, it is. He goes into the kitchen to have a leak, and they kick him out. He's, yeah, and he screams on the way out. What, can a guy just... He's trying to find the bathroom or something. Yeah, something or trying like to find that. the head, you know? That's like. right. <laughs> so yeah. I guess he's he's very shit-faced. Whether he's always that um, shit-faced, but yeah. I, uh, I was amazed... I was amazed at the uh, relationship... Between Lydia and Tuck, mm. um, it's it seems really bad. Like <laughs> you know, like he's he's clearly a jerk and making a mess of himself. And Lydia's like, "Nah, I'm out. This is ridiculous." And he like clicks on a song, <laughs> straight oh, to yeah. and and she goes all gooey straight away. I'm like, "Hang on a minute." Yeah, kind of made me feel really uncomfortable with that. But like, maybe this is a bit of a hint into the fact that he wasn't always an alcoholic, and maybe what you were saying before about something to do with, uh, I don't know, like what. he's had a moment in his life. Yeah, like he was going around. well, and maybe something didn't go his way, and he did turn to drinking. Yeah, and and maybe their relationship. Kind of has, has started to go downhill, and this was kind of the last straw. Maybe. Thing. Mm. It, it mm. Actually, that scene really bothered me. Like, because he's like, she's like, I actually noted, like, that she's like, she, she gets him into the apartment and she says, no, 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 no. And then he puts on a song, and that's it. She doesn't say anything else. And it's just like, <laughs> come here, baby. And he gets on her, I'm and he's back. like, making out with yeah. her. And obviously, you know, I don't know whether it's a Disney film or not, but whatever. It's uh, you know, it does that light-hearted. You know, they're making out, and then it fades to the morning, which obviously represents that they they did the business. You know, but 
obviously she's yeah. left leaving in such a hurry in the morning. She's not happy with her choice, and you know she maybe she got swindled a little bit, but yeah, no, it wasn't a very yeah. nice scene. So I, it it does seem odd, but I guess it's like we were talking about. There's no sort of backstory. There's no in depth character development, mm. so there doesn't need to be. Yeah, all you need to know is that they're kind of not happy with it, you know, like it's not kind of working and, and she leaves. Uh, I picked up um, the cab driver yeah. was uh, the same. He, his name's Dick Miller, I found out just before, uh, and he's in Gremlins. Turns out this is the third Joe Dante film that he's been in. They like, it's like his muse or something. It's like his Johnny Depp oh, to I was gonna say Tim that. Burton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just thought that was a nice little like cameo spot um and he keeps chiming in and like you know i don't know i don't know i don't catch cabs very often <laughs> but the ones i do the cab drivers aren't that chatty <laughs> yeah no, no no not at all just gonna drive the car here so do we want to move on in terms of um i mean we could talk about in terms of i mean jack in regards to to where he starts off and and that sort of thing in the the kind of weird characters like obviously you know he's got a quite a really interesting relationship with his doctor yeah um and and the other the other character in terms of his side of the story is is uh what's her name the the other checkout girl I can't oh wendy. Wendy. wendy wendy in fact another interesting tidbit i found out Ooh. wendy uh i i'm not gonna look it up because i've got things to do yeah uh <laughs> but is plays francine the mum on American Dad. Really? Really? Oh. Really? Yeah. Really? We're, we're going to call this segment Really? Really? <laughs> oh, how about that? You know what's funny? Because I was listening to her. You have those moments in movies where you're like, I know that person from somewhere. And obviously, I, I didn't pick her face, but I probably recognized her voice. I was going to IMDb, but like you said, you know, got things to do. <laughs> so, things to do. Things to I'm do. I'm a busy so. guy. Uh, just before we move on, I just want to point out a note that I've made here about Tuck Pendleton. Uh, I was like, perhaps Tuck is sad that he can't explore outer space, so he gets to explore inner space instead. Oh, <laughs> that's deep, Jules. That's and you deep. know what? Like given given the, the film, that's probably what they were thinking. That's when they gr- wrote I know, because... Like, on those models that he knocks off the table, there's a couple of little lunar modules or, you know, a couple of little out-of-space things. And I was like, I was like, it kind of came into my head, and I was like, oh, how about that? So, Well, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> almost like they were test pilots, right? So it's, it's yeah. almost like the, the guys who are at the dinner were getting presented with being able to test these new planes, which is probably the next step to becoming or, or applying to be an astronaut. An so, astronaut, yeah. yeah. So Yeah, I think, that's, I think that was definitely... <laughs> I think that's definitely the link, Jules. Sorry to connect some... <laughs> Clear dots, but yeah, he couldn't get into outer space. <laughs> I just, I just so he's going in space. He's going in space. I, I've done well That's on that right. one. So, I mean, really quickly yeah. with Tuck, like obviously, I think, I mean, he, what did he say? He flew the Tomcat. Yeah, he crashed the Tomcat on the, onto the, uh, onto, onto the, um, the rolling flat top. Thank you, the rolling <laughs> flat top. But uh, in his apartment or house or whatever is, is he lives in, he's got a, uh, he's got a whole bunch of pictures of this. Um, it's a supersonic jet called a Blackbird. It's a something-something Blackbird. It's like an SR-14 Blackbird, right? It's like the fastest flying object that humans have ever made. And I'm like, he's got all these photos on it. I kind of wonder, is he, was he a test pilot for that as well? You know, it's like, mm. again, can't be answered, but, you know, he's got 
they're right above his couch where his shitty little robot arm is. And I'm like, maybe he's got all these photos of this you know, this supersonic jet. Was he a test pilot for that? Did he crash that? No, maybe not, but that's all. It's kind of nice. <laughs> it, I mean, I guess that's the, the subtle backstory that we're looking for. Yeah, you know, like exactly. That stuff happens in the background. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I have very mixed feelings about Martin Short. Yeah. In in general, like I uh-huh. I really love some of his work and I don't get other parts of his work, but there's no denying he's an amazing physical presence mm. in this film. Mm. Uh, he's a super physical actor and everything everything he does has some you know piece of physicality to it, basically. Whether yeah. it's just him in a conversation and the way he looks around or moves his head or whatever, or whether he's a, a lot more slapstick about it. And I, I'm, I'm very pre- – like, I, I find that quite a talent. I think that's, that's I, really I was good. actually thought that Martin Short kind of carried this film mostly. I was like, you know, even though, um, you know, Dennis Quaid's kind of the main character of this film, I kind of thought that – I thought I felt Martin Short did a way better job than pretty much anyone else in this film. Well, I was like, he and really I think, brings I mean, energy. Dennis Quaid spends the whole movie in the pod, like sitting in a chair, looking at a monitor, you know, oh, that's a good point. and he would have shot that all by himself. You know, that's all video playback on the monitor. Mm. You know, it had nothing to work for as much short, you know, it was a lot more out. Yeah. Feeding off other actors. I, I, <laughs> I really like a movie that owns and sells the tech in it. Uh-huh. Right. Like, I was just sitting there watching, you know, the whole opening sequence of the lab. Mm. And it's like, so I, I found out that the background is full of like actual scientists doing stuff to make it look more real, uh, whatever they're doing. <laughs> and it was just things like, why does it have to spin to shrink? Uh-huh. And like, why is that, why is the, that like cover of the pod covered in gold and it's like <laughs> but what's cool about it is like these are things that i'm interested in while i'm like oh i wonder why it's gold i wonder why it needs to be gold and mm. and it kind of just doesn't matter like it it's it's an interesting point you're just like oh they're shrinking stuff that must need to be gold <laughs> it's probably real you know like it it really yeah. sells the tech they've got aussie this like uber nerd and he's spouting just this jargon that it's irrelevant what he's saying. Doesn't yeah. I don't I don't know what he said. That's what he's you doing. Know, he's they're, they're filming on the camera, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's just he's just spouting jargon. Yeah. But it works because you're just like, oh yeah, this is this is really important and this is difficult and you know, I love it. I love, I, I I get that's how I get really lost in the world of a movie. Yeah. You know, it's just all that stuff going on where I'm like, oh, this is this all looks really important. It must be. I'll just. It's a build up, isn't it? It's yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh, we're in an important space, and this is. You can tell that it was a. It's a process that's, you know, not completely ironed out. Like you don't know. They don't. You can tell that they don't know what's going to happen, whether it's going to work, all this sort of stuff. That's one thing I really liked yeah. about it, actually. That in that particular lab. The fact that everything looked really messy, everything was like it looked like everything had been yeah. laid out neat once, and then they're like, "We need more monitors," so they just kind of plonked them, and there's cables Sh- everywhere, and show. And it's and they carry a really. You, that's a great point, Jules. I really like that aspect of it, that aesthetic. Uh, it's like, and, and it it um 
it, it jars really nicely when you get into the bad guys further on mm. and everything that they do is really, really neat and clean yeah, yeah. and white. Mm. <laughs> this this lab looks like, you know, they're not worried about, you know, protocol or order. These guys are so, like, into the thing of what they're doing yeah. that it's just, like, messy and they kind of can't afford, like, it feels like it's all coming off their own bat. Yeah, and it's like you know, they're, they're like paying for it, and they're doing yeah. super overtime, and you know, like <laughs> there's this nice little dialogue where where Ozzy's, you know, he's getting the chip in. He's he's with the guy who's controlling the robot arm. Oh, the paperwork, oh, the paperwork, yeah. paperwork. and the the paperwork. Yeah. And the guy's like, and Ozzy's like. Have you you supposed to have had this to me like a week ago, man? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. He's like, have you got any more of this? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> I love that bit. I was yeah, going to bring yeah, that up. I just love this, that bit. like awesome good, bit good of disorganization, bits of detail. You know, it's like it's little bits of detail that like that that really give it that authentic feel. You know, like as opposed to like you know the the sterile or we don't use paperwork. You know, it's like it just makes it feel way more realistic. You know, so yeah, I, mm. I really like that. But it's going back to what you were saying with the like you know how everything was gold. It's I, I find it funny that. When it comes to sci-fi movies, there's no shortage of gold tinfoil. Like, like, what is it with sci-fi movies? And they just have like that scrunched up and then flattened back out tinfoil just everywhere. Like, the, mm. the, there's heaps of movies that have got it, but the one that even comes to mind really quickly is like in The Fifth Element, right? When they reconstruct Lilu. And then she runs away and jumps through the wall of gold tinfoil. So it's like, um, yeah, you know, like what is it about gold tinfoil that makes things look sci-fi? You know, like is there? Yeah, that's 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 what I want to know. Why do they use the gold tinfoil in the sci-fi stuff? Is it is it gap fill for the set, or you know, like? So I want to I want to keep moving. Cool. Uh, there are a few like I don't know. They felt like quite eighties things that I picked up. One was so they've they've shrunk Tuck. The bad guys, right, as soon as they get out of the van in their orange jumpsuits, I couldn't tell you what it is, whether it was the music or – but they, you just knew they were bad guys. The old electrical company trick? Yeah, straight away. So, you're just like, ooh, this yeah. is going to go bad. Something's yeah. going to happen here. So I really like that. Um, and then the whole chase I found, like, nice and dynamic. Having come off the back of Point Break – I found the car chase really, really weak. <laughs> like, Did you? I, I, I don't it, know. It I... didn't. Well, like it was good. Don't get me wrong. It was fine, but it didn't. I don't know. It felt. It didn't feel as amazing as that car chase and foot and subsequent yeah. foot chase yeah. Yeah. from Point Break, the, just because um, we'd watched them so close. I guess. The, um, the I think the fun, the the thing that I really picked up, um, which seemed glaringly obvious at the time, was Mister Igo. So the. This guy yep. is just a Terminator ripoff, yep. I reckon. Because, <laughs> so, they t- well, I mean, the Terminator came out in 1984, so that would yep. have been he, the height of popularity at the time of yep. writing this film. And everything down to his haircut was Terminator-esque. And he was machine-like, so, he's got machine hands, he's... You know, he's got no remorse. He's just after his goal, chasing. He's, it's like, it's it's literally like the Terminator. Yeah. So, uh, another piece of trivia I found. Vernon Wells, who you will know from uh, Road Warrior. He was in Mad Max 2 as Wes, the guy with the mohawk mm-hmm. and the motorbike. No? Yeah. Oh, come on, nah, guys. No, nah, no, uh, that one. I'm just and he was, also, he was also Maddox, uh, the bad guy in Commando. Oh. 
chain mail. Oh, jeez. Mesh vest. Yeah, it's amazing. Let off some steam. <laughs> amazing. So, so he's like, you know, standard bad guy. And in my research, Vernon Wells modelled his performance of Mr. Igor after Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator. Bang, uh, there you go. Nailed it. Nice one. So there you go. Good well score. played. Uh, you know, again, we're talking about those details in in the films and when they go to the mall there's this like it feels really 80s corny there's a shot of uh, a guy in a penguin suit that's quite scary (laughs) it zooms up on them too yeah but it's it's guy in a penguin suit handing out balloons and he's handing out balloons to a couple of nuns oh my god i noted this down i was like so it's like the the penguin giving balloons to penguins (laughs) yeah was just like that this tacky 80s sort of in joke that i really liked um that was it was pretty creepy that more because they were like costumed clowns and animals just everywhere there's a lot of and when and when when ozzy dies like (laughs) they're all looking over him the last thing he sees is like these really scary dodgy animal suits all over him like You'd be like, you would be freaking out. Yeah. You'd be like, I'm going to hell. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is hell. But this not, is purgatory. Not like, just that, though. Like, what about the dude who's laughing and taking photos of Oh, it he's like, did you see that? He's like, did you see la- that? He's, <laughs> he's laughing his ass off. A guy just got oh, shot in front man. of him is dying. And he's having a yeah. great time snapping snaps. He's just loving it. Well, it's interesting with that because, like, with the. Uh, so, obviously, um, oh, the bad guy steals the camera. He punch, gives him a kidney punch, steals the camera. And then they get the photos developed. Now, when you look at the photos in the lab, they're like super zoomed onto uh, Martin Short's character, right? Like, but not just yeah. a little bit. Like, it's got like his name tag in it. So why was this guy taking photos of Martin Short? Was he like stalking well, Martin Short? Like, like, the other thing is, with, with, with Martin Short, the, the being the, the neurotic character that Jack is, he was super cool with being stabbed, <laughs> stabbed with a needle. Yeah. And injected with some foreign fluid. Like, he didn't seem to react to it. Like, he kind of went, oh, like he just, just rubs his ass a He kind of felt like, a bit uncomfortable, but he just kind of stood there and went, yeah, okay, yeah. But I'm even just, later was... on, when the scientist, when Martin Short goes back to the laboratories, uh, and the scientist questioned him to go, oh, how did Tuck get inside you? And Martin Short says, I have no idea. It's like, dude, you got stabbed by a syringe in the fucking mall. Like, do you not remember that? Like, god so, damn it. What? Where do you live? I mean, I know it's the eighties, but god, man. bad memory. Um, this guy uh, has. Yeah. I, I, I found it a little bit confusing that about the nightmare that he had was oh, the old lady. Yeah, that it was exactly the like when it happened. It was conveniently exactly the same as a dream that he conjured out of nothing. Yeah, kind of like all of a sudden gives it like a spiritual kind of side to a very scientific film. Maybe well, not spiritual, it was, but... It was it almost like he'd had a premoni- premonition. I, I don't know, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't believe how exact the dream was to what happened in reality. Uh, it turned out to be a cigarette lighter, but mm. yeah, anyway... Yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a weird moment, wasn't it? It's kind of like you could question why it was in the film. Like, I mean, obviously it was yeah. the, it was showing off was... the reason that, that Tuck was using his magnetic whatever yeah. it was to make the prices go crazy. But, yeah, it kind of like, did it really have relevance? Did that I mean... need... But did that need the whole dream yeah. sequence to start? Yeah. So, again, yeah, mate, a... perhaps there is uh, deleted scenes where it would possibly explain his backstory a little more 
again, like obviously we're talking about how I, well, I mentioned how little backstory there is. Perhaps there mm. are deleted scenes. They said, look, this movie's too long with this crap in it. Just cut it out. The audience won't question it until, you know, 2015 when three guys sit in a room and question it. But <laughs> no one. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, don't know. Don't know. That was uh, an interesting one. Yeah. So then, then it goes on and there's a, I don't know. I got, I got, I, I'd be honest. I reckon I would have made a sandwich around, Ooh, okay. around the middle. I was just like, yeah, maybe because I've seen it a lot or something. I don't know. I wasn't as interested as I was yeah. watching Point Break or, or well, uh, other movies. I don't know. It, was, yeah. I, I, it felt this time around, because I've seen this movie a lot, and this time around it felt more laboured and... Mm-hmm. Like I tell you, I will. I lost it when when Scrimshaw came in. Yeah, when the whole like cowboy and the bad guys sort of came in. I'm like, I don't know. I just wasn't that yeah. interested again after the initial setup yeah. of you know Tuck having to get the eye and the ear and the dancing scene. It was almost. I guess it was almost after that dancing scene yeah. where where they they're drinking in his apartment. Mm. Um, I just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, kind of lost it a bit. Um, it's, you're definitely right. I, I find it got started to kind of go downhill a little bit with me when Meg Ryan kind of came back into it. You know, I was like, you know, maybe we didn't need the introduction of another character because there are a lot of characters to kind of keep focus off here. Because you know, you got you got the the crazy redheaded woman. You know, she comes into it, and then you got the the millionaire scientist well, guy who's trying to steal these chips and everything. And like, there's a lot of people to kind of keep track of in this film. And yeah, well, cause if I've, I got confused around the cowboy, yeah, because it, you know, they, they briefly explain who he is, but they don't really say if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Or, uh, and we need some backstory. Like, well, he's, which, he's, well he's, he's basically a, he's, he's like a, a, an arms dealer for technology, isn't he? Yeah. He's like, he's like a... Yeah, I just feel like it was out of place because the good guys were clearly the good guys and the bad guys were clearly the bad guys. Yeah. So it, so I found the cowboy in this like weird middle ground Yeah. that was a bit confusing. Um, which is I... weird, yeah, which I agree because he's he's kind of like this, like he's, he's in his own little world kind of thing. Yeah. So he's not really associated with anyone until the very end. It seems like he seems like at the end he's kind of established himself as a bad he, guy. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but throughout uh, the rest of it, it's just like, well, he's just there. I don't know. Like he's yeah, it's weird. I um there was there was an awesome thing I picked up on <clears throat> with the first uh, face changing scene. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which, which the first thing the first thing I like is there's more is another hand solo moment right where he's like tucks it, flicking through the books he's got his glasses on because now he's going to be a smart guy and he's flipping <laughs> through the books and he's like ah oh, it's complicated but you know and 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 Jack's like well what are you going to do he's yeah like, oh, that's complicated but we'll get it. and he's like trust me and I'm like Han Solo you're like almost exactly the and same the, and it was a bit like same delivery yeah. I was like, oh, is it going to hurt? And he's like, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like that kind of a dick, yeah. but you're on his side. It you know, is, like, yeah, yeah. it's going to hurt, but it's cool, man. I got it. Like, See, that's that's like, the point of this film where it lost it this time for me was the face-altering stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, I forgot about this, and this is really So, lame. I tell you what I dug, though. So, I, I you know, was looking into this, and 
the scene where he first does it, right? And the guy who plays the cowboy uh, comes out of the bathroom, okay? Yep. Cast your, cast your minds. Or okay. if you decided to listen to this as a commentary that you're just getting more and more pissed off at because we're not following it along. But <laughs> we're really not. Here, uh, he comes out of the bathroom and he's like, what? What's going on? And Lydia freaks out. She's like, who are you? What have you done with Jack? And, and he's like, it's me. Listen to my voice, right? What happens is Jack moves across and sort of just out of the left of screen, right? And then what happens is a body double comes into just the edge and mm. starts like going, you know, you see his arm going, Lydia, it's me, listen to my voice, it's me, yeah. right? She climbs over the bed, right, looking at looking at the double the whole time. So this is all one shot, right? Yeah, yeah. And goes back in and peers around the door and you see the cowboy in his jocks mm. lying there, right? Like, my God, how so, did they do that? So that's all one shot. So so the dude had to go out of shot and around the back of the bathroom. Take his clothes off. Yeah, like stripped off like a whole rip heap his, of stuff. Rip, yeah. his, rip his tear away suit off, yeah. right? And then get in the bath and then there's a panel. There, One of the walls was a sliding panel yeah. where a makeup person was sitting and they whipped off the Jack Putter wig and <laughs> put on the cowboy fro wig, put the gag back on and touched him up and slid the door all in that one shot, you know, and and that that's the kind of stuff that yeah, makes me cool. look gooey. You know, that's like eighties <laughs> making. I'm like, yeah, that's oh, I love well, it. It's, it's yeah, like no, it's, it's like guys good. sitting around a room going, "How can we make this work? I want to do it in one shot. How are we going to well, do it?" Exactly, yeah. And the fact that they they would have had to troubleshoot that, I think that's well, it's it's almost like like a magician's act, you know. I guess you could say it's really bringing the magic to the movie if you want to get well, and that's, look, and that's a lot of what movie making was yeah. before the uh, digital age got got decent got damn um, CGI one thing they one thing they were talking about with this film is that uh, I so ILM did this film as well um, and they'd been doing a lot of uh, optical shots which are basically it's what we call compositing now where you, you take two different plates you might shoot someone on a green screen and then drop in a set or a backdrop or yep. mm-hmm. something in the background. But that all takes... So back when, before digital, that was all optical, right? You had to print the negative and then and then do another pass and print that one and then comp- and then physically print the film together. Ah, uh, like overlay them like, kind of thing. Yeah, it's this whole process that I'm only just beginning to grasp because we're, you know, it's not our technology anymore. No. And so by this stage, ILM were figuring that actually we need to go back and do a lot more stuff in camera to speed the process up because we've got – it's just taking too long to shoot six or, or 12 different elements yeah. and then optically print them all together. So a lot of all, all, all the body stuff – there are a couple of uh, uh, composited in um, pods. Yep. But a lot of it was all done in in camera. So what you're seeing is all right there. So it's all a set. Usually there was a lot done in water tanks mm-hmm. in this. Yeah. So a lot of it was done underwater. And and a, and a tiny pod or a, a puppeted pod. I found out they used, they built, they built seven complete miniatures awesome. of the pod of varying sizes right from about, about three inches up to about twelve inches, mm. um, 
just for varying different shots. Some were remote controlled, some were rod puppets, you know, all this. Yeah, and just so they could get all these shots in camera and they could shoot it and then it was done yeah. and it didn't have yeah. to go to another department and it saved a lot of time and a lot of money and, and you know so they, too, yeah it? it looked really good you look at some of the way the way they do some of these films you know like with the you know like with the um you know these these you know shooting it over and over again then laying it over each other and sometimes like big budget movies and it just looks crap like it just looks so crap like whereas this like the sets and everything that they've done in this movie like was really awesome like you know, just like the internals of the the body, like when when um, Tucker gets first injected into Jack's butt, you know, it's like, and he's like, oh, what fat cells, you know, and you're like, oh wow, I'm looking at fat cells right now. I'd have no idea they were fat cells, but I'm looking at fat cells, and that's what fat cells look like. You know, they obviously put the effort in to make it look really good. You it's know? like yeah, it's like when he almost gets drawn into the heart. Like I reckon that scene Ooh, looks that's amazing. Yeah. Just the pulsing and. That it just looks good. chaotic, like where he is. Yeah. It's very cringeworthy, that scene. You know? Like, oh my God, the hook in the artery? Oh yeah. my God. Like, yeah, surely there's got to be a, a substantial amount of pain inflicted there, you know? But, um, but yeah, all that, yeah, I, I think that's great. Like, I, I had no idea how that kind of. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's cool. And, and, and it, it was, makes sense you know, given like, the time, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. And, like, you know, to harp on, I, like, I won't keep going on about it because uh, what I can highly recommend people doing is checking out a magazine called Cinefix, um, and it dates right back to the early 80s of, of uh, cinema effects. Mm-hmm. And there's also cool. another podcast called The Optical, and that they talk about particular, you know, they're sponsored by Cinefix, and they talk about particular films and oh, in episodes yeah, and that sort of stuff. I highly recommend it. They're fantastic if you want to get into that nerdy uh, film. Which many of us do, of course. Stuff. That's like why the I background guess... stuff. I guess um, that's why we're all here, right? Just leading on from obviously talking about the models and stuff, I just want to talk about like some of this stuff from a medical point of view. Um, with the heart scene, for example, right, uh, where obviously you know, he doesn't want to go through the heart because it'll be bad for him. Um, he shoots a hook into the side of the artery, and then to escape, he uses a laser, cuts a hole in the artery, and then escapes through the artery, and as far as I'm concerned, doesn't really patch up the hole or anything like that. <laughs> he just continues on his journey, right? Yeah. Like, a lot of just, internal bleeding going on. Yeah, that, sure. That's all, and now, I, I'm sure but, it's a very small hole, like a very yeah. small hole, but surely that that would get worse? Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know the I medical feel side. Like, I would feel it like heal? The pod, the pod was tiny. It's, it's way smaller than a grain of sand. And he, Yeah, and he was like about the size of a blood cell, right? Yep. Yeah. Or maybe even well, slightly, well, slightly yeah. bigger. Yeah, it's but hard to say, but yeah, it's, it's do feel you... like it was maybe look, look, doctors, nurses, medical professionals, yeah. anybody out there, <laughs> get in touch with us and set us on the the righteous path. Yes, if you have a small hole in your artery, will it heal? <laughs> you know, like because he does that for a few things, like and not to mention the fact that like he shoots a prong into the back of Jack's eye. Attaches like a clamp thing to one of his uh, in inside his ear. Yeah, I think it's inside the inner ear. I think inside yeah. the inner ear. Uh, he never removes those things. I mean, are they going to cause later problems? <laughs> you know, like I, I, I couldn't <laughs> help but watch the film and just think, wow, man, this guy's he's got problems now. You know, he's had this dude laser beaming inside him and stuff, and you know, <laughs> and, and then like they have a battle at the end there with the. With that snap-on tools guy, um, the bad guy. But I mean, that's the thing with the face—the face altering. I mean, what kind of long-term ramifications <laughs> yeah, is yeah. that going to have? But the, I mean, 
I, I I hate going back to it, but it it kind of bugged me that whole face thing, and I yeah because I can't see why it was done. Like I see why it was done in the context of the film, like because you know we need he wanted they wanted to become the cowboy and. Lydia had some gold tooth thing just lying around that she could put in, whatever. <laughs> which I found a bit odd. But anyway. Um But when if if we in a in a in a different world, if if no bad guys are come in to try and steal chips and all that sort of thing, what what would they have been using that technology for in terms of a lab rabbit? Like I don't <laughs> understand why we need to alter face muscles and stuff because like, i would imagine this whole experiment would be let's go inside a rabbit let's see if it works and let's get you know, the hell out of there do you know what i mean like it's yeah, not yeah like for a first operation we're not going to be talking about altering muscle. like he seemed to have a lot going on for like okay let's see if we can hear through the rabbit's ear and let's see if we can see through the rabbit's eyes and let's get you out of there do you know what I mean? Because you've only got a day's worth of oxygen or whatever. Yeah. Um, it just seemed like that bit of the movie just kind of it just lost me. I was just like, oh, that's it, and it hadn't before because I guess maybe I just didn't care about it. But when I'm actually sitting there watching it, going, all right, I'm critiquing this now, and it's actually pretty crap that that's. I don't know. It just <laughs> yeah. seems so far fetched that it's just like, okay, well, I can see how it works for the story, but I don't know. It just. Yeah, it just lost me, and that that in terms of me not liking the cowboy character at all. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a bit odd. Yeah, um, there's there's a few bits that confused me, and one blew my mind. I'm like, man, kids' eighties films. There's a bit, there's a bit where they're trying to the bad guys Scrimshaw is trying to get a hold of Margaret, the the evil doctor with the red hair. Yeah. So she's not answering her phone or something. And she's hanging out with Nigel, <laughs> who I'm like, this is a PG kids film. And he clearly straps a dildo, a dildo. onto, his, onto <laughs> yes. his metal hand. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you yeah. want to hang out with me? Oh, yeah. And she's I like, mm-hmm. But there's a funny, no, it's even, even, um, oh, gee, I can't remember if it's before or after it, but when Jack is in the freezer in the back of the truck, I was, right? I was going to say that as well. She's like, I know how to warm him up. And he's like, yeah. you know, knock it off, Margaret, or whatever her name is. It's like, what the hell? Like, is she just some, like, sexual deviant who just has to be getting our rocks off all the time in a PG movie. Know, it's like, crazy. Um, crazy. Like diagnoses him with mild hypothermia from listening to his heart <laughs> and then immediately hits on him. <laughs> immediately <laughs> hits on him. Like immediately. Within, within seconds. Yeah. Oh, crazy. But um, <laughs> I love that. I love that pep talk that Tuck gives Jack before he runs out the back of the truck. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I think that is so good. And I, I, that's one of the things I liked about this movie was the, it's almost like, Tuck was like this kind of big brother character, like really mentoring Jack yeah. into confidence throughout the whole yeah. film. I really like that about it because I thought it, it was a it was a good growing story for Jack as a person. Well, and it's not it's nice because he's not the role model that you would want to be doing that. Like it's not that orthodox, you know. Oh, look, we'll sort this out. Slap yourself in the face. Yeah, you know, like yeah. he's he's uh-huh. a train wreck himself. But he's taken on, like you said, this big brother mm. mantle that whole of like... slap in the face thing. Though is really bad because there's the scene where they're dancing in the apartment, right? And Jack is, you know, he's intoxicated. He's he's a bit, a pretty drunk, right? And 
it, the movie kind of promotes that if you slap yourself in the face three or four times relatively hard, you're sober enough on. to drive. You it's can fine, get in the car. The 80s. Speaking, the of, 80s. Spe- speaking of that, yeah. what, um, going back to the, the old segment, what car is that? What car is... Tuck's car. Oh, it's a uh, it's a Mustang. Oh, jeez, definitely a Mustang. It's a it's a fastback Mustang. Like, oh, I'm gonna guess. Uh, I meant to look into it actually. I'm gonna say sixty five. Okay, sixty five ish. But I'll have to confirm on that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely check, a Mustang. Check out the Facebook. Yeah, feed get on Facebook. It'll it'll be up there. I'll, I'll put up that. some photos. Yeah. Um, let down. <laughs> I, I I found it quite funny when uh. When they're in the basement, when when Jack and Lydia get kidnapped, and they're in the basement, and Tuck starts feeding him lines, he's like, you know, it was it was not my toe that was broken, but it was my heart. Yeah. Right. And Lydia goes all gooey again. Oh, it's, yeah. Right. But no, no, no. But then, so it's 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 clearly Tuck apologising, even though he never says anything resembling an apology. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then she goes all gooey. And then Jack goes, I need some time. Can you shut everything off for a second? I'm going to hit on your girl, even yeah, though yeah. you know what I'm about to do. And <laughs> she thinks I'm you. And it's just really weird. It is awkward like, as hell. That's it. <laughs> it's so, yeah. I was like, whoa, hang on. Whoa, that's weird. And, um, but the, 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 it's not just that. It's the fact that Tuck says... If he turns off his stuff, he might not be able to turn it all back on. So he is risking a hell of a like, lot. <laughs> Shut Jack up, I want to get some. Yeah, literally. Yeah. It is, and in the end, he's like, oh, yeah, you got a good point. Fair enough, I'll do it. I'll risk it. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, well, oh, there are a couple. A couple. Of, we'll, we'll we'll start winding it up. But there was when they when they get him back to the lab. And they put in the second chip. They get the second chip, and it's covered in bloody shit from Jack's pocket. And, uh-huh. and then the eat me, drink me comes up, and I'm like, "Why are we doing this? What, what kind of scientific, you know, mm. application does eat me, drink me have? Like, I understand the reference to shrink or enlarge, but I don't know. It just felt really vague and convoluted, right? Yeah. And I'm all grumpy about it. Anyway, they type it in. And then nothing happens, right? There's this pause, and Jack goes, "Maybe it was drink me." Yes, <laughs> floored me absolutely. I loved it. It was yeah. like almost my favorite part because I'm sitting there. They just got me super grumpy. Fucking eat me, drink me. What's the point of this? Yeah. Maybe it was drink me. Uh, no, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it was straight yeah. after he says it. Boom! It was straight away. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was a whole roller coaster of emotion. But it's weird, isn't right it? Then. Because it's it's gone from the very start where it's all super scientific to, oh, we're going to enlarge him. Let's do it via a riddle. Let's have a guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a guess. Yeah, well, I hope you've caught up on your Alice in Wonderland stats because <laughs> yeah. here we go. Well, the last, thing, the last thing I couldn't really work out was at the wedding, Jack was there. Great. Yep. All the vector scope, uh, you know, military guys were there. Good. <laughs> yep. But then Jack's doctor was there. <laughs> And Jack's supermarket this boss is... was there. <laughs> but these are the people in his life. You gotta you gotta remember. Yeah, but it wasn't his wedding. Oh yeah, it wasn't <laughs> yeah, his wedding. That's... Exactly <laughs> it right. Tuck. It was Tuck's wedding. wedding. Like, why are these people it's there? Like, Jack, you can bring one guest. It's like, well I brought everybody. <laughs> yeah, well I brought my doctor and my ex boss and and the weird lady that I work with. Like, oh, it was just yeah. seemed random. 
Um, yeah. So, should we do a rating? Does anyone have anything else they'd well, like to add? Just really quickly, just before we get into the ratings, I, uh, I'll give it a, this movie a bit of a plus. It's got a couple of really cool um, like stunt scenes. You know, you don't, yeah, you know, good old eighties movies. You know, you get some good stunts. I was, I was watching very closely the scene where the doctor, uh, sorry, the scientist is getting chased on the bike. And uh, he's like swerving in and out of cars on the bicycle. I thought that was really wicked little bit of uh, stunt work there. And the, the other one was the truck when uh, obviously it's not much. Yeah. Short swinging around on a door. On but, top of the And then on top screen. of the car. Like, yeah. oh, that was awesome. You know, like I thought that was a really good bit of stunt work. I thought they just should be pointed out. <laughs> I'll tell you what, one, one, um, one thing in terms of that first chase that I, I've always liked since I was a kid and I don't really know why is the camera angle just behind the front tire of the car. Ah, yeah. Because, yeah. It, because it really demonstrates speed. Like, it, you just feel... It just feels faster. feels fast. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's, I just really enjoyed that camera angle. And whenever... Ever since I've watched this, watching that scene, I've always really enjoyed those little... Those shots in terms of how that was done. So, so maybe... So maybe we should we should probably start winding it up, as you said. Do you yeah. want to... Al, given though you, you chose this, do you want to start us off with a rating for... Yep, so I'll just uh, remind uh, remind our three listeners. <laughs> Mate, if maybe. you're lucky. Thank, thanks for listening, Mum. Uh, so we rate our films by the San Dimas scale, where we relate everything to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure uh, on a percentage level. So Bill and Ted's gets 100% on the San Dimas scale. Uh, doesn't mean it couldn't be more than 100%. A particularly good movie could rate 100 and 32% perhaps uh, and of course if it doesn't match up to the bodaciousness that Bill and Ted's is, it can get a lower percentage uh, so I'm going to kick things off with a Sandima scale rating of 62% uh, just that cowboy stuff in the middle and the whole nightclub stuff really dragged for me um, I love the effects, I think most of most of my rating came from the effects yep. and yeah the uh yeah i just that's where i sit 62 percent for me yeah nice one uh okay for me ah oh, look i'm gonna go a little bit lower i'm actually just gonna give it a flat 50 uh it was half as good as bill and ted's excellent adventure for the simple fact that i didn't think much of the storyline like it had some cool concepts but like l said it was uh it was definitely the special effects that got it for me and like you know half the movie was special effects half the movie is a storyline so i was like yeah I am going to give this movie a sandwich rating. There was definitely uh, quite a number of scenes where I could have gone up and made a sandwich instead of watching the film. Uh, just a reminder for people, the sandwich rating, if you think that um, half the movie was worth watching and half the movie wasn't worth watching, you'd give it uh, five out of set, ten sandwiches. So I'm going to give it about... <laughs> I'm going to give it four out of ten sandwiches. You know what? Because, like I said, half the, you know, the storyline didn't really do it for me. It did maybe a little bit, which is why I'm only giving it four and not five sandwiches. So I'm going to give it, you know, not quite half the movie I would have been eating sandwiches. So four out of ten sandwiches for me. So, yeah. Okay. Timmy? And in terms of the San Diego scale, I probably, I'm probably in between the 60 and 70 mark somewhere. Maybe I'll just call it a flat even 65. I, <laughs> I'm kind of in, in the same frame of mind in terms of where the film lacked and it really came down to that middle section in terms of all the cowboy stuff and yeah. a lot of it seemed to drag. And as I mentioned before, a lot of the face altering stuff and it just kind of lost me a bit towards the middle there. So, um, so I think that that, I think 
but in terms of why it got higher than fifty for me was that I, I'm a bit I'm a bit of a sucker for the whole exploration thing in terms of it's it was a new idea it was I thought the effects were done really well and they still hold up I reckon for now and I just I, I really like Tuck's character I reckon he had real spice to him <laughs> I, I you know he was a very flawed character sure but I I think he he brought something really good to the film and and he was just a he was just a cool dude under pressure um which was really nicely contrasted against jack's character and i thought that worked really well so um so nice. yeah i reckon about probably 65 and look i nice. you know i would have made some sandwiches throughout the middle as well i mean there's there's times when you know i could have got up and 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 baked a whole cake i reckon at one stage <laughs> so um but look in saying that i still think it's a very entertaining film and um, it's still a film that I really, I really enjoy and could easily sit down and watch, particularly if I'm, you know, not feeling too well on the couch. You know, it's one of those kind of films that you can just kind of put on and not really think about and yeah. just enjoy. So nice one. Yeah. Nice. nice I, one. uh, so before Brad got lost in the circuits of time, <laughs> he must've remembered to leave a note. Uh, and he got up and made two sandwiches during this film. Yep. Two and he gives it. He gives it 55% on the Sandema scale, and we shall never know why. Well, he did say, Ooh. I do remember him saying that he wasn't a big Martin Short fan. I think that played a big big role. True. So maybe, we may yeah. have. He might have, been a we, bit, he might have been a bit confronted with with. We may have forced this film on Brad. We may have. <laughs> that, hey, that's the whole point, you know? That's Brad. it. We don't all choose the film, so. That's right. That's it. Uh, speaking so of which. We, before, well, before we choose the next film, I'd just like to introduce a new segment Ooh. to the Sandema School of Film. Uh uh, it could have a theme song if somebody comes up with one. Uh, I've decided to call it Podcasting a Wider Net. Uh, and in this segment, <laughs> and in this segment, uh, basically what happens is I get onto the uh, iTunes feed and I search for the movie that we're reviewing and I see how many other podcasts have done the same film. Oh. Uh, so I found two this week on Inner Space. Uh, the first podcast, I haven't listened to them all. I'll, I'll, I'll explain my reasoning, but uh, the first podcast is called uh, De Gnavne Filmenorden. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they reviewed Inner Space. Uh, however, this podcast <laughs> was not in English. Oh. So I struggled with which particular Scandinavian language I had to learn to understand <laughs> it, and time got away from me and... These things happen. Uh, that's right. So check that one out if you're of uh, Scandinavian persuasion. My apologies for not knowing which particular language it was. Uh, but check it out. I'm sure they've done a great job. Uh, now, the other one I'm a particular fan of, it's called Hydrate Level 4. Uh, and it's a father and his 14-year-old son reviewing films. Wow. That's a good and... mix right there. Yeah, yeah. And they Hydrate Level 4, this is called. And... Uh, they decided that the listeners should start learning more about who they were and the kid had just done a parkour class and he really enjoyed it. Uh, they explained what parkour was and <laughs> and I didn't really get to the part about inner space. But, hey, uh, <laughs> those are your other options. So if you don't... If you're not digging what we're throwing down, that's okay. We're giving you plenty of other options <laughs> yeah. to cast your net a little further. Podcast so, very nice. your net. Nice. That, well, there you go. Well, and, you know, it's always nice. good to share the podcast love, I think. so. That's it. That's, that's right. It. So that concludes the podcasting 
your net, a wider net for this <laughs> The man in charge um, of choosing the the podcast or the movie for next week was going to be Brad, but considering um, he is somewhere in the circuits of time tonight and we don't know when he'll be back, um, <laughs> that responsibility falls on you, Julian. So Sweet. Would you, um, would you like to unveil your choice for the next episode? Yeah, for sure. So basically the movie just, that I've just chosen... Be- just before you do... Ah. I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. No, no. So uh, I, I chose my film because it, it's it's another Keanu film. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, now, this is one to ponder for the next few days or, or, or until you get to watch the film. To me, this film could technically be the unofficial sequel to Point Break. The movie we're watching is Speed. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. This movie, you can relate to Point Break. Oh, okay. yeah. no, I, don't tell us why. No. Just, I want to hear it We're going to have to tune in for the next podcast. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> and oh. uh, so the next movie we're watching is Speed. <laughs> yes. Well, that's all right. All right. Well, that sounds good. So there you go, everyone. Episode three will be on Speed with Dennis Hopper and Keanu Reeves and um, what's his name? Jeff Daniels, Daniels. Jeff Daniels. <laughs> Sandra Bullock. And Sandra Bullock, yeah. Many so, others. Great cast of characters. And also, probably could be worth, um, uh, prior to that episode, it could be worth people checking out. what The podcast was called um, I Was There Too, I believe. And, I Was There. And there was That's that, a great... Yeah, so it was a podcast, basically, um, where the um, they interview um, people from movies that weren't major characters. So... Um, uh, and I do believe there was an episode where they interviewed people from the bus, like other other passengers yeah. of the bus. So he um, interviewed about he interviewed about maybe four to six of the bus passengers, yeah. and you know about their character and how they got their role. And yeah, so check that out as well. Cause, last one. Um, so so it could be worth checking it out before before we get this underway. Um, Definitely next time. So okay, so if you liked what we did this week, or in fact you did not like what we did, uh, please feel free to tell us with reckless abandon uh, at our brand new email, uh, sandemasfilm, that's S-A-N-D-I-M-A-S-F-I-L-M at gmail.com. And uh, we'll, we'll make Tim check that and sob through all the trolling. <laughs> oh, so much trolling. So much so- from our three <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Really inappropriate. Um, but yeah, look, send us an email, post on our Facebook, whatever the case, and um, and we'll endeavour to get back to you, whether it's constructive. That, that's it. So everyone, if you haven't seen it yet, go out and watch In a Space, and, um, and we'll see you next episode. <laughs>